0: Live from the Denver Press Club presents the Topic of Conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we're starting our third season right here at the Denver Press Club. This is the show, the Topic of Conversation. I am Rob Scoggins, your host. And uh, believe it or not, we are kicking off the third season. I can't can't believe it. We're already here and uh, we are having so much fun. Uh, Tonight's guest is incredible. He's lived a a very strong life, a very productive life, and you're going to hear a very, very great story. And we're so happy that he is here. He's got family here in Denver, so he does have ties to Denver, believe it or not. But he is a Jersey boy, and uh, his his uh, one of his um, wonderful helpers who's, who helps him uh, get the word out on the Luca John Foundation is here with Janet uh, DeBeck. And we want to welcome to the show the founder of the John Luca Foundation. We're going to learn a lot about that tonight, uh, Kevin Barr. Anowski. Baranowski. That's it? Baranowski. it. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. Baranowski. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Uh, we'll start off just real quick uh, with, with Janet and how um, how all this happened. Um, Janet, what, what happened is we had uh, the people from Yelp on. You're a Yelper, and you liked the show, and you said, oh, wait, this isn't so bad. And you said, why not, uh, why not get the Luca John Foundation involved?
2: Yeah, I remember um, meeting you here. Yeah, I remember you were walking down the hall, and I kind of stopped you, <laughs> and I said, "And you're this tiny little thing, I know, and this
1: big guy." I it? know. <laughs> like you were holding your yeah.
2: food. You were like,
1: "Get out of my way! I want to eat." <laughs> yeah.
2: So I, yeah, I asked, and that's how it started.
1: Yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonder, yeah, thank you I, so
2: much. I, once I read about
1: it, I said, "Absolutely, uh, just a wonderful." How did you get involved?
2: Well, we just moved here from California. That mm-hmm. was. I'm not. I mean, I'm a nurse um, by profession, but I wasn't. I'm not working yet. I was looking for something to do, something worth my while, and I found his organization. And then I met him in person. I was like, "That's it."
1: And how did you find it? Were you just googling it and just? I
2: I, I went to Volunteer Match. Mm-hmm. That's where I found
1: VolunteerMatch.com. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And then I met Kevin in person.
1: And that was it. That was it. And You were hooked.
2: I. I am hooked. You're a hook.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, Kevin, uh, near and dear. I mean, foundation. We'll find mm-hmm. a little bit more about that okay. in the second part of the show and how how it all got how it all got started and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you are a Jersey guy. I am. You are not. You are not from these parts. I'm not. No. Now, but no, but your your connection your
0: connection uh, here is how. So my in-laws live in Windsor, okay. so just north of Denver. And uh, when they moved out here, they've they've moved around a little bit. Uh, they went from Wichita, came out to Denver. Big difference. And when they did, they started doing a golf outing for us. So as we took a look and saying, okay, what do we want to do and how can we implement a local strategy um, to what we're doing nationally, Denver was the spot that we wanted to do it. So,
1: Now answer me this. The the, the whole concept of, of how this happened, well, like I said, we'll find out a little bit about that later. <laughs> Your life has has been kind of fun. I mean, you've had a you've had a yeah. I enjoy what I do. Yeah, yeah. you've had a good life. I have. I have. Um, yes. How about um, how about telling us a little bit about your, your background and 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 uh, all the Jersey stuff you've done, the Jersey Shore stuff you've done. Yeah,
0: yeah, so so unlike what people say on Jersey Shore, that's yeah. not what it's normally like, um, especially if you're below 195 in New Jersey. <laughs> right? And if so you're in Jersey, a, you know what that is. <laughs> there's a big yeah. difference, yeah. If you're below Trenton, you're a Philly guy, and if you're above Trenton, you're a New York guy. So I spent 14 years in Manhattan, um, going in every day. You have a four-hour commute every day, two hours in, two hours out. Wow. Uh, spent time in Midtown, was down on Wall Street, Uh, And then took a look, you know, kind of a a couple years ago and said, okay, I want to shift this up a little bit. And, and, you know, how can I better arrange my life? Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely spent a lot of time in New York, was a surfer growing up, um, played football in high school, you know, was in a a farm community. My parents lived on two acres. We had farms all around us, uh, which is not what people think of New Jersey. It's not the the turnpike. It's not just oil refineries and the smell when you get out of Newark. Yeah. Um, You know, and then have the ability now to travel around the country a fair bit, um, which is nice. Now, in, in
1: in your time in Jersey, now you you traveled I mean, you've been in different states mm-hmm. and and went around. You, how did you meet your
0: lovely bride? How did that? You got a nice little story there. I do, I do. So, um, so it's it's a it's a good story on who we are, and we can talk about a little bit more um, in the second half. But we. We went to a big high school. Um, so I had 2,600 kids in my high school. Uh, a yeah, little, that's big. A little bit. Graduated with about 600 kids in my grade. Sure. Um, and every year, my family had gone down to the Outer bank. So from when I was six or seven, we had gone down all the way until I was about 18 years old. And one year we had gone down, I was 16, and I, I remember it. We're sitting at the uh, pool, and this woman comes up to me, and she goes, Are you the boy from Shawnee? And I looked at her and I said, okay, crazy lady. I have no idea who you are. Um, Yes, I am. And she goes, well, one of the girls that's in our house, and these houses in the Outer Banks, if you've never been there, they're they're huge houses. So as we had gone down, we always went down with three or four families, and one had always been one of my good friends. And, you know, I said, yeah, I am. And she goes, oh, one of the girls is in our house. He said, all right, great. Okay, see you later. And I went and I sat back down. And I was telling my friend, I said, look, Rob... And just came up to me, and she said, my the boy from Shawnee?" It's a little awkward. And he yeah. said, "Yeah, no problem." Until about an hour later, we saw this blonde walking with a woman going right. into the pool. Right, and a fifteen-year-old guy. We started nudging each other on who was going to go up and start talking to her. So we went up, and we were both. So just, who was the wingman? You or him? Uh, we didn't know yet. Okay, that was All the right. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it, we, sorry. we were well. No, no, we didn't know until we even went up there because okay. he was he was lead, and I was the wingman. But I was leading, he was the wingman. They just right. had okay. no idea who was. So. We went up, and I must have been a lot more eloquent than him. So I think my response was like, Hi. Yeah, well, that's a good start. That was pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, at a 15, that's a good start. Or you pushed him in the pool, either was, way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So that was as much tact as I had <laughs> as 15 uh, years old. So I said, Hi, I'm, I'm Kevin. You know, I'd like to talk to you. And we went and we sat down at this table, and, and you know, it turns out we went to the same high school. No. So, yeah, yeah it was crazy. <laughs> so, and we went up living about two miles from each other as what? well. You know? So we lived in New Jersey, we're down in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and that's where this happens the girl next door huh? the girl next door right. so so we're talking and i'm like hey you know we're doing a little party right in the afternoon uh, later on tonight do you want to come and she said well no i've already got plans and i said oh, oh. Well, okay why well, doesn't work mm-hmm. so i said well we about next week we're back and she's like well no no i'm gone for a week it's not going to happen and i was like oh, okay so we pretty much left it as i'll see at school and that was it so about two weeks later we went and uh, we were at a carnival we had this carnival in town and i uh, got back and my mom said hey this girl nikki had called you up and, you know apparently she got a little prodding from her friend to give me a ring and mm-hmm. We got together. We started talking, and a couple months later, we you know started dating, and that was it. So we've been together ever since. I was how many years? Uh, Nineteen. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That was a little interesting, right? Yeah. So. So we started dating when I was sixteen. Okay. Okay. Um, so we went through high school, right? And then out of high school, she starts like you know, or middle of college, I would say, she starts like, "Well, when are you ever going to ask me to marry you?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm nineteen, yeah. so a little while longer. It's going to take a little bit." Sure. And she's like, "Well, we've been together forever." I'm like, "Well, I met you when I was sixteen, so it doesn't really help." Um, Did so you give her a promise ring. I've heard of those. No, no, I to, No, we're not from the Midwest. Jersey, ah. Jersey doesn't do promise right, rings. Trust right. Trust me. You've seen the Jersey <laughs> Shore, right? You guys do <laughs> tattoos. We yeah. we do Tattoos. You brand, you brand it on yourself. Yeah. Nick- Mickey, 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 so, Mickey, that's it, yeah. exactly, exactly. So um, so so finally, and the funny story is we're, we're on the bridge going into Philadelphia, and I've got the I've got the engagement ring with me. And sure. she starts crying, and, and my wife, I love her, right? Um, but she, sometimes she's a little emotional. Yeah. So you're never gonna marry me and blah blah blah, right? And uh, I'm just cracking up the whole time. And then I get yeah. in trouble because I'm laughing now right. because she's upset. And then, we, you know, we do a carriage ride, and yeah. we're on a white horse. It was actually very picturesque. This is in Atlantic City? Uh, no, no. No. This, this uh, is in Philadelphia. Sorry, feeling. No, yeah, no. That's just, that's There's close. no horses or yeah, carriages so yeah, okay, in, in Atlantic yeah, City. Yeah, um, I wanted to keep the engagement. Right? I understand. <laughs> There's yeah. a difference. Yeah, you don't take it. So, uh, so I asked her to marry me, right? And we get down on one day, and we do the whole thing. And she's like, yes, yes, yes. I am so sorry. Uh, because she was crying, coming over, yelling oh, at me that my. I was never going to ask her to marry me. So that was it. And that was it. that was it. That was, that was it. it.
1: Was it what a wonderful story! And the thing is, the, the what you've done uh, with with your life and and the and the foundation is uh, pretty remarkable. How did? I mean, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more yeah. about uh, Luca John later, but when when it's it's
0: gone almost global now. I mean, you've, you've done so much work. We have, yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that we're really pushing for, for this year, and, and I... And it's know, called skeletal... Skeletal dysplasia was is one of, things, right? one of the things, right? Yeah. Um, so we're two we're twofold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things is to work with families that increase, or work with organizations that increase survivability and quality of life of children diagnosed with skeletal dysplasia. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a vague topic. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason we did it so vague was if a family from... Florida, needs to go to CHOP in Philadelphia mm-hmm. to have their son get a a, rat, a rod that's entered into their their, um, their ribs, and, and it's a pretty amazing process. They pretty much break every rib in the child's body, and they put rib expanders in, and they have to increase it every four and months. And
1: it's typically done under five years old, right? So I mean, the child
0: has to be at least 12 months old. 12 months. Yep. 12 months. Um, but it goes on until the child's about 18 years old. Yeah. Okay. So that's a lot of flights that they have to do. Um, so... When we looked at it, we said, well, you know what, there's hotel costs and there's airfare and there's all these different things. And we don't want to just make it research because honestly, you know, ten or fifteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars going into an organization is gonna pay for, you know, coffee, you know, for the ad yeah. essentially at for, Starbucks. A month, for a month. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, $5,000 to pay for hotel stays and, and all that stuff to a family really makes a big difference. So while we take a look at increasing quality of life, that's really where we, we sat. Um, so, now, you know, that was one of the big things that, that we had done. Um, we had a partnership with Continental Airlines prior to the United merger. They gave us 50 round, you know, round-trip airfare tickets. That's wonderful. So, yeah, so we started moving kind of in that direction. Um, and then the other side is just working with families that lose an infant child and right. need help. Um, hey, now, does
1: dwarfism come into play there? It does, yeah.
0: So so skeletal dysplasia is a form of dwarfism. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you take a look at and if you've ever seen, you know, the Wizard of Oz, if you've ever seen a little person, they're all forms of skeletal dysplasia, um, also known as dwarfism, little people, big world, all that stuff. Yep. But well, there's about 400 different types of skeletal dysplasia. How many? About 400 different types. Wow. Now, a lot of these. So, okay. and, you know, in Luca's case, and, you know, he had a form called short rib polydactyl syndrome, which is also similar to a thing called June syndrome, which is also similar to a thing called thinner fork dysplasia. So all three of those and even with short rib polydactyl, um, there's a difference in, you know, an eyelash. There's an extra eyelash, right? I mean, it's that minute. So a lot of times these patients and these families just really don't know what they have um, and they're not aware of it until they actually go in. And these all these are all these are all dysplasia. Okay. Exactly, exactly. So they affect the long bones in the body. So if you see a little person, that's you know what it is.
1: Now they're now obviously the the the, the little people shows, mm-hmm.
0: little little people, big yeah. world, and all the other ones. That's actually helped. Has it, it has? Yeah, you know, um, it's awareness, right? That's the one of the biggest things. I think a lot of times, in, in you know, in our situation, we went in and we dealt with something that one Luca was the 31st known case in the United States of what he had. Okay. Okay. Um, we had talked to doctors all across the country. So you had mentioned. you know the global side of it um you know we had talked to doctors all over the country and we had doctors from internationally that we had you know reached out to to kind of just get information we were young and we didn't have any idea of what our child had um and we had no idea what it meant for future children um we didn't know if it was recessive we didn't know if it was just a random mutation or genetics Exactly, exactly no one knows Nobody, nobody knew. Now um, there's a lot of work being done in California um, that's actually increasing that. Um, Luca, there's a you know it's one of those cases of like there's good news and bad news. You know we're going to name something after you yeah. It's this sort of thing, right? So there is a Luca gene. Of the specific dysplasia that he had now, because okay. we contributed to the, to the study that they were doing. Um, but we've had, you know, we've had doctors, you know, reach out to us now. From all
1: the children's hospitals. Yeah. From what I
0: read. Yeah, and and we've had doctors from France reach out to us yeah. about, you know, looking for us to give them medical grants. We've been recognized by the Pope, um, or at least Benedict before. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Prime Minister of Australia, the Prince of um, Wales, you know, has reached out to us, and just kind of, you know, we we are global. Um, we really want to focus on North America and get our our footprint. Pretty good there.
1: How many children are are born with this in the United States, or you can say world, because I mean yeah. it is a world,
0: worldwide. Yeah, thing. I mean it's about, and it, it depends on what it is. I think for for what Luca had, the short rib polydactyl, it's about one in two hundred and fifty thousand. Wow. Um, for thanera fork, which is a, a different, just random mutation that happens, it's about one in five hundred thousand. Um, if I had to speculate, I would say it's probably about one in probably one in ten thousand that. A form of it winds up coming in, one of the 400 different forms. And what is the survival rate? Um, so for thin air fork, for June's, for short for polydactyl, zero. Um zero. I shouldn't say that. June's has a, depending on the variety um, and the variation and the degree, um, but it's very, very minimal. Very, very minimal. very
1: minimal. Now, when a child is born with dwarfism, um, now that we, I mean, I've seen, I've been to hospitals mm-hmm. and I know people in the audience have been to hospitals and seen mammograms. Yep. I mean, how often, I mean, how soon can uh, a mother or a father or a couple know
0: um, it depends on know the se- when when this is going on so it depends on the severity usually it's around 20 20- Four twenty-five 25 weeks is when okay. you can see it. Um, and what it, it looks like is kind of an old style telephone. We say old style now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the, the bones are really bent. Um, but sometimes it doesn't present until 34 weeks, 36 weeks, right before the mother's going to deliver. So a lot of times, and there's no genetic testing and available. the mother can do. No, no, and that's the problem. There's no genetic testing available for a lot of these. So a family's going in and saying, I've got a perfectly healthy child, nothing's going to happen. Um, one of our families in Florida, had delivered what they thought was a perfectly healthy child, and unfortunately that child had passed away within 30 minutes because they had this, um, this you know, um, dysplasia.
1: Let me ask Janet, who's a nurse um, in California, and also a part of the Luca John Foundation, uh, Janet uh, DeBeck, who is here, and her husband is uh, filming us tonight. Thank you so much. When, uh, when a mother finds out uh, that she's having a child with um, skeletal dysplasia, um, how does that? I mean, how do they deal with it? I mean, you, have you been there when that's when that's happened?
2: I, it's it's rare. I've never seen that actually in person. But I mean, having met other, I mean, other parents with just different types of diseases, I know it's really hard.
1: Now I know California has a lot of shows or film there for uh, Little People, Big World and all, other things. Is that a great state? Uh, for people who are, who are little people is that a good state for them to strive and, and, and be productive and, I, and, and if you want to answer this for me yeah. Uh, please answer
0: for so, me. so the International Skeletal Dysplasia Registry is at UCLA. Um, okay. So that's that's probably one of the big areas. But what we see is CHOP in Philadelphia, phenomenal. There's a great doctor up there that's doing a lot of these surgeries that are increasing survivability rates. Um, where, you know, before it was really minimal. There was nothing. Um, Florida has a few. Um, Texas has a bunch. NYU is really good. Seattle Children's Hospital on um, Seattle is really good. They've got a really good skeletal dysplasia program as and well.
1: Now, if the child does survive, how... How tall could the child be? I mean, we've seen. I yeah. mean, obviously, we've seen uh, little people in, mm-hmm. in, in Guinness Book of World Records and all that stuff, yeah. and, uh, all over the world. I mean, and they become they become very wealthy sometimes, <laughs> um, but but um, and that's the that's the bonus part yeah. about it, I guess. And but uh, how 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 tall can they can they
0: grow to be? So it's going to be under the average um, is kind of what the the official is. If it's under the average of what a normal height um, of that of that demographic is, Mm -hmm, um, then that's considered, you know, but you've got some people that just look short. Um, you've got some people that have longer trunks, um, Mm -hmm. and shorter hands. Um, so with all those different, most height is in the legs. Yeah. So, yeah. So it really affects femurs. Um, and you know, again, the long Mm -hmm. bones in the body. So that's where you'll wind up seeing it. Um, but you know, they're definitely going to be noticeable. How many people, I mean, how many children, how many families, um, do you think the Luca John foundation has helped, since it started 11 years ago, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. So we've worked um, on our on our funeral assistance side, which is you know the other big thing that we've done. We've worked with you know over 200 families across the country. So we we are one of the only national nonprofits, and truly national. Um, you know, there's other organizations that will work with you across the state uh, or across the country, but not in certain pockets. Um, we don't have that limitation. Um so we've worked in almost every state in the United States.
1: How did you separate yourself from the rest? How did you do that, Kevin? How does that takes that takes time and effort.
0: Though. It does. It does um you know, one, we've been blessed by phenomenal volunteers. Um we are a 100% volunteer workforce. Um, 100% so country. we all have full-time jobs, um, which is great, you know, because when we say, "Hey, I've got to do this." You're kind of like, well, I got a job too. I've got to do. Yeah, <laughs> I have to pay my bills." Yeah. Um one of the things that we want to shift, right? At the end of this year, we do want to bring on some full-time staff, which is, you know, one of our big goals. Um, but really, it's dedicated people. Um, you know, being able to sit there and say, "Okay, you know, how do we get the word out about what we do?" We talk with new hospitals on a weekly basis that said, "Hey, I had no idea that you guys were here for us." Um, and a lot of times, you know, what'll happen is people will say, "Hey, okay, so you just work with the skilled dysplasia side, which isn't you know accurate. We also do you know funeral assistance for families that lose an infant regardless of cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've worked with families that." you know, have had, you know, SIDS cases, premature birth, murders, um, you name it, we've worked there and we've been that support structure for those families they're through. and we help with them. Yeah. We're a family, you know, and that's one of the biggest things you know, we were young, um, with us, um, you know, and we were blessed to have a church that gave us a funeral um, plot and we had a funeral home that said, we'll do pretty much everything for free for you. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the impetus on, on why we had started. Sure. The, the, the whole idea,
1: and it, it's going to be based in New Jersey It'd be, it'd be so when, you, when you have the full-time staff?
0: Uh, so we've got a, a phenomenal case manager in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we might, you know, it might be one of the first spots that we do. Okay. Um, but it's definitely, you know, we've got a good 20 people that sit in New Jersey with us right now. So that's where the base will wind up being.
1: When it comes to the children, I, I mean, obviously everybody's, everybody's special. Everybody needs help. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do people, how do they contact you? Do they call you? I mean, because this can happen at birth. I mean, they, don't, they don't know until the baby comes out.
0: So we've got a lot of times where families will call us before birth. Okay. Um, so they'll get a lethal prenatal diagnosis. And this probably happens 10 to 15% of the time. Where a family will contact us and say, hey, I'm six or seven months pregnant. And I know my child's not going to survive, but I'm going to continue this birth uh, or I'm going to continue this pregnancy to birth. So we'll sit there and we'll work with them. And we, we work with phenomenal organizations. Now I lay me down to the Sleep Foundation, which is actually based here too, um, yeah. in Denver. Um, we know the, the founder of that. Um, she did a video for Luca after, you know, we had had him. So we, you know, kind of put them in contact with, with that group as well. So that family can have prenatal shots that are done for free, all those different things. Um, we had a nurse that was working with us that was giving family guidance to say, okay, you know, this is what a doctor has to do, but this is the stuff that you can control, right? If you know your child's not going to survive, you have this ability to really kind of change The way that that birth plan is going to wind up looking. So, I would say probably about 10 to 15 percent of the time it's before that a child is even born. Um, We probably have about 50 or 60 percent of the time where a social worker at the hospital is contacting us or a chaplain at the hospital is contacting us because they've heard of us somewhere. Um, And that child has just been born 20 minutes, 30 minutes beforehand, um, and they need help. And that's really where we do the most good, I would say, um, because we're able to give that family guidance as far as okay, here's what you should you know see from a, a home. We take a lot of that business side of it off of their plate, um, and we can handle it for them.
1: Now, financially, I mean, how much does the family get? A thousand dollars? Seventy thousand dollars? I mean, where is where so, the? Where yeah. do you guys? So we cut have it no
0: off? we have no set limit, and that's one of the big differentiators between us and other organizations. Um, so there's other organizations that'll sit there and say, okay, we're gonna have a five hundred dollar cap. And and then they'll say, "Well, we can't work with a family that has, you know, a let's say they delivered at twenty-two weeks um, because it's under the state standard of what's considered viable." Um, Where we come in, we say, "Doesn't matter how early you delivered. We've worked with families that have had an eighteen-month, you know, pregnancy, and the mother wants to bury the child." What's considered premature? Before twenty. Well, so so before viable is twenty-four. So twenty-four weeks. Twenty-four. Anything before twenty-four weeks.
1: Anything before twenty-four weeks. Correct. Yeah. And. We've seen babies survive. Yeah. After, okay. after. So it's
0: harder, right? I mean, definitely the survivability rates below 24 weeks are definitely, you know, harder. Um, I mean, we've got friends that have had children born around that range, um, you know, and they've gone on to survive. And survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, does the do twins ever, I mean, does it ever happen with, with the Yeah. Yeah, so and we... With Siamese twins and... and so conjoined. From, we just, yeah, conjoined twins. Yeah, yeah, so we actually had a case a few years back that was in um, Iowa, I believe, that was conjoined twins um, that were born prematurely that we worked with. And the family didn't have the funds to be able to afford the headstone. And we went in and we paid for the headstone for them.
1: You're listening to the Topic of Conversation. I'm Rob Scogginger, host. We have the uh, director and founder of the Luca John Foundation. Kevin Barnowski here, and uh, with uh, Janet Debeck who got this all together, and we thank her. Lee, thank her so much for putting this uh, putting this all together for us, uh, and having him on. It is a, it can be heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. I mean, this can be, uh, some some of the most tough love stuff you've done. Absolutely, uh, and you do it every day. Yeah, we do. And how often do you? I mean, how often do you go to a hospital? How often do you fly to see these families who have just lost or, or, or going through, you know, some, some uh, tears because they, they are keeping the baby? The baby will survive. and and realize this
0: is going to be a different life. So so that's one of the unfortunate things that we can't do because we work with so many families. I mean, we get probably five to six requests a week that come into to us um, because, you know, and we'll, we have other organizations that'll come to us that have a limitation and they'll say, you know, we just don't have the funds. Can you guys help us? Um, so we've kind of become an umbrella organization for a lot of these smaller nonprofits because there are groups that'll say, okay, I'm in Southwestern Pennsylvania. I can work with you. Um, or you're within the state that we work with. We can help you. But if they get a case from Nevada, they can. not help so they'll come to us and they'll reach out to us so we would love for our case managers to be able to sit and go to the hospital and talk with them and that's one of the things that we have with our local state initiatives Um, you know to be able to say okay within Colorado if we have a bunch of case managers they can sit at the hospital they can sit with the case managers and be that support for that family And when we look at our case managers, we really want to find, you know, individuals that have had experience um, and not book experience as well, right? That's another key differentiator. We want families that have been there, that have suffered a loss, that have had a family that has suffered a loss because we don't want to be a textbook organization, right? We want to be someone that says, I was there. Someone can show empathy. Yeah, I I, I sat in your seat. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it not, you know, page 12, you know, says you should write a journal, right? Um, Someone that says, well, you know what, it sucks. And it's gonna suck for a long time, mm-hmm. but you know what? I got through it, and you'll get through it, and we'll get through it together. Now, people like Janet and, and others, mm-hmm. how does someone volunteer? I mean, like, like you know, I,
1: I I've got some time. I, mm-hmm. I you know I, I I've read so much about you guys. Yeah. How
0: does someone get involved locally if they want to? Yeah, so so definitely reach out to us. Um, you know, we've got our email, volunteer match. We have a lot of our open spots on volunteer match on our website, Lucajohnfoundation.org. We have a lot of our volunteer postings today. Um so you can reach out, and then what we'll do is we'll then put you out to the director within the state that you're in um to be able to then help out. You know how much training is involved? I mean, how much so so we do an orientation, you know, for all of our volunteers, depending on what they do. Our case managers are really key to what we do. So they have a longer process. Um, you know, our case managers come in, they do an orientation. Um, they sit in kind of a, a probie type of a spot with one of our senior case managers, where they're only in a listen only. When that case manager says, "Hey, you know what? I think they understand what's going on." Um, we'll have them do administration work. So they'll reach out to the funeral homes. They'll get invoices. They'll put everything into our system. When the case manager that's you know supervising them looks and says, "I think they're ready," we then have them shadow on a couple of calls with actual families. And then once the the supervisor says, "We think the probie is ready," They kind of flip roles, and the the trainee basically takes lead um, with the supervisor sitting behind them. And once they say, "Okay, I think they're good to go," you know, ready to launch, we let them out. Now you've mentioned you've
1: helped people in Europe, you've helped people in Canada, you've helped people in Mexico and South America. How does that even work? So, so I mean, how do you get there? How do you tell those people? cross
0: languages barriers. I mean, all that stuff. How does that work? So we've worked with we've worked with organizations. We haven't helped families outside the U.S. yet. However, um, you know, working in the United States, but they know about you. Yeah, but working in South Florida sometimes is like working in a different country. Sure, Um, yeah. You know, so there are language barriers. Yeah, North Cuba. It's a great (laughs) (laughs) state. That's exactly what it is. Um, So usually, what we'll have is a translator from the hospital that'll work with us or the social working team. Um, You know, it's one of the things that we've kind of toured around, um, you know, internally to say, okay, do we need Spanish speaking? Um, We have a new director that we're looking at bringing. That is Spanish speaking that can help us in those cases. Um, when we look at case managers, if there is bilingual, um, and whether it's, you know, Creole, Haitian, Spanish, whatever it might be, um, you know, we definitely like to have them on board.
1: Dwarfism is a, is a, is, it doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't, it's not a, it's not a normal birth for the mother mm-hmm. either. Correct. Explain to us a little bit, and, and you know, we were hoping your wife would come. We know she's busy with the other three kids. Uh, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> Someone's got to watch them. <laughs> yeah, little babies at home. <laughs> um, and to have her just talk a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. when When that is happening, uh, does it, Does I mean, is it different? <sighs> is
0: it a different childbirth? Is it a different? Um, um, you know, it, it's different that it's a high risk. You know, I mean, that, that's the biggest for thing. the mother too. For the mother, abs- yeah. for, absolutely, for the mother. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, with it comes, you know, and with any, with any harder pregnancy, right? Or because that being pregnancy. is trying to surviving in another being. That's it. And that being wants to win. Yeah, and there's and there's yeah. heart issues, right, that the mother can face. Um, early delivery, preeclampsia, blood pressure. Blood pressure all those things are really, you know, um, parts of things that you have to, to worry about. Um, and and then just the emotional stress. Yeah. Right is the other big thing that you have to worry about. How many how many mothers do we lose? I, I don't have the statistics, and I, I wouldn't want to speculate I, on, on what it is. Um, you know, I think that, you know, with anything childbirth, I mean, to me, childbirth isn't amazing. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, for, I'm a father myself. I yeah. mean, for how perfect... Everything has to be, um, you know, is amazing. And and when you take a look at childbirth, you know, in general, once the child's heart starts beating, there's a 99% chance of survivability sure. of that child, which is which is absolutely crazy. On how much has to happen perfectly within yeah, those or, first ten or, 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 days, or, or, yeah. you know, before it can happen. Um, you know, so I, so you know, you've got added stress to the mother that can can happen when you have a troubled labor uh, or a troubled, um, you know, infant inside. Um, but you know, again, I don't know how much the mother mortality rate is
1: now is, is down syndrome is there ever a child that has dwarfism and downs is that i'm or, sure or is that's not
0: yeah I'm, I'm not aware of what it would be i know that with our our third child with luca or with noah um you know there was he had an issue and You know, ironically enough, I, I'd never missed an appointment with Braden, our first son. Um, and then, you know, we had Luca and then, um, you know, and then there was a meeting or something and I forget the reason why I couldn't be there for, for Noah. But after we had Luca, one of our family friends worked in a fertility clinic and she was like, well, come in early Nikki, you know, and I'll, and I'll watch you and I'll make sure everything's okay. And one of the things they found was extra nuchal fluid behind Noah's neck. So it's the flap that comes back, you know, right behind the neck. Mm -hmm. And normally it should be whatever it is, four millimeters. And his was 4.3 millimeters. But, you know, nothing that was crazy. But she said, based on your history, I wanted to bring it up to you. So me, you know, looking at WebMD and, you know, being a virtual doctor that sure, everybody yeah, uses today, looked and said, all oh, right, well, can this be? And it was four things. And one was, you know, trisomy 13, which is lethal. Second was Down syndrome third was short polydactyl syndrome, which is what Luca had. And we had a one in four chance of every future pregnancy having another short polydactyl child. Wow. One in one in four, Wow, 25% chance. Okay. And the fourth was absolutely nothing and he'd be fine. Okay. So immediately we both went, oh no, he has what Luca had. Um, turns out he was fine and there was no issue. Um, you know, so kind of, we had a scare with Downs cause that's kind of a version of the trisomy. Um, you know, but luckily we were, we were okay. When we come back after the break, we're going to find out more from Kevin
1: on how Luca John has changed his life, has changed our lives, and will change the future lives of babies who are not here yet. Excellent. We'll be back right after the break. Thanks. Consider joining the Denver Press Club, which offers a relaxing atmosphere of camaraderie and creativity, and serves as the hub for Denver's media, public relations, and communications community. It's the nation's oldest press club with the first organized meeting held in 1867 and with the club making its home at 1330 Glenarm Place since 1925. Please visit our website at denverpressclub.org to find out all the great things that are happening throughout the week, month, and year. We're open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Come by and see us. We are here at the Topic of Conversation. Uh, We are here at the Denver Press Club where the conversation begins. I am Rob Scoggins, your host uh, of the Topic of Conversation, and we're having a wonderful, wonderful conversation and learning so much about skeletal dysplasia and, of course, uh, talking to Kevin um, Barnowski.
0: Barnowski. Barnowski. It just
1: sounds like a football name. It just sounds like you should... You know, I guess it's because of Romanowski. <laughs> you know, with the with the New England Patriots, he was, know, the, he was a little better than that was a little better, a little, little better, little better. Small, small, small
0: Well, you better. were a wide receiver, right? Uh, yeah, until they figured out it was a wide receiver, <laughs> until, until, <laughs> and they well, put me oh, to the line. Oh, maybe not. No, maybe no, no, not no. so good. Not so good. This
1: um, this whole topic is near and dear to your heart. Yes, yes. And and the um, this is where we come to the part of the conversation which. Which may draw some tears mm-hmm. from our audience, which may hit some um, hit some nerves, and and definitely get into um, a a loving, a uh, loving spiritual thing that you guys went through. Yeah, and yeah. and it's um, kind of walk us through um, what happened that night and uh, in in Philly. Yeah, and. Your wife Nikki, beautiful lady. You Correct. had a two-year-old yep. son uh, at that yeah. time, yep. Yep. named Brayden. Correct. Brayden uh, Barnowski. Correct.
0: <laughs> Correct.
1: Um, long, name for, long name. Long lots name. Lots of letters. Unfortunately, exactly. <laughs> we we learned I'm after only him in kindergarten. <laughs> that was a, exactly. Yeah, when he when
0: he goes, what letter am I on? <laughs> I'm Started from start from the beginning.
1: Um, and and I know you've told this story before. Yeah. So this is not new. Correct. Um, but it is going to be told in a in a different manner here on the show. Nikki was um, was pregnant yep. with Luca. Yep. And um, all of a sudden start from there.
0: Yeah, so so you know, we had gone in um, just for a regular ultrasound, right, to find out what we were having. And we had brought Noah or brought Braden with us to, you know, have him join in the experience. <laughs> And when we went in, we had the same ultrasound tech that we had had for Braden, right? So we thought that was pretty cool. And we had said, hey, remember us? And she said, yeah, I kind of remember you. And she probably didn't remember us at all. But, you know, she had appeased us and said yes. Yeah. So we're sitting there, and she was spending an, an awful lot of time, right, on the ultrasound. And, you know, Nikki being a pregnant. The ultrasound nurse or the ultrasound The ultrasound person. nurse doing yeah. the ultrasound on yeah. Nikki. And you know Nikki, take it, you know, kind of looking at me and just like this isn't mm. this is long, right? Like this is you know that. Un- yeah, and Nikki's un- a young woman. She's twenty six. years old. She's twenty six years old. I'm twenty four, yeah, so I'm like ah, everything's Nikki, fine, yeah. exactly. And yeah, there's no issue. Um, so you know she's sitting there, and we're probably in there for about forty five minutes. And typically it's twenty minutes, and they check everything out. And she leaves, and Nikki looks at me, and she goes, "There's something wrong. There's something. There's something wrong. I know there's something wrong." And I said, "You're pregnant. so preg-. Nikki was feeling that, or the ni- and Nikki was right." Mm-hmm. And, and I said, "Well, you're pregnant." And I said, so "That's you know, you're just a crazy pregnant lady right now, and that's the reason." that you you have an issue.
1: (laughs) And that's what we think. And that's what we think. And she
0: wasn't very happy with me when I said that. Um, So then she came back in and the ultrasound tech and she said, well, you know, I found something and I just want the doctor to come in and take a look at it. And Nikki looked at me kind of like, "Uh, see, I told you, there was something wrong. So she said, well, he'll be in in a little bit. And, And then she laughed. So probably about 15 to 20 minutes later, the doctor walks in.
1: And just two years ago, you had a healthy... Healthy boy. Healthy boy. No doing issues whatsoever. striving, striving Phenomenal doing pregnancy. Hanging out with grandma and grandpa. That's you guys it. are at the hospital. Yeah. No problem. So he was
0: with us, right? Because we wanted to share this sure, whole experience right, with the ultrasound. So, uh, so you know, the ultrasound tech walks back in and, and she's like, okay, the doctor will be right in. And the doctor walks in. He's got a big smile on his face. And I'm like, well, how bad can this be? The doctor's got a smile on his face. We're Okay. And he goes, you know, we saw something on the ultrasound. He goes, we want to show you, and we're like, okay, all right, well, twins. See, see what he's it like is. Twins. Yeah, well, you're he, thinking like triplets, or kind of thinking. You know, now yeah. she's rubbed off on me, and I'm kind of like, oh crap, there's something wrong. Okay. And and he pops it up, and he goes, we saw something. And we think he he's got a form of, of dwarfism. And Nikki and I are both like, okay, we can deal with that. And that's no problem at all. And he goes, but we think it's lethal, and it was a jab in the heart. Right. Yeah. So. It's amazing when you kind of take a look and and, and go, wow, you know, gravity, right? Gravity is yeah. a, a big thing, and I think gravity sometimes keeps you grounded, right? And uh, and and gravity has the ability from floating off, you know, to, from floating off into space. And you're at one of the best hospitals. On the East so Coast. Th- this was associated with with Robert Wood Johnson and Cooper and all and all those great hospitals, great trauma yeah. centers, and all these different things on the East Coast. And we're so blessed. You're the best. We're blessed by where we live, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so so you know, I think you know we're kind of sitting there, and all of a sudden it was a, a, a pound of bricks, you know, that kind of sat on your shoulders, and boom, you know, we were because happy. lethal. That's it. That's it. There's nothing there. Yeah. So you know, the doctor was good, and he's like, "I'll give you guys a minute to kind of process this, and then a you minute. Know, Thanks. Come, come talk to me in my office." Okay. So he left and, you know, both of us break down, right? Obviously, um, you know, we have no idea what's going on. And he, and he had told us a little bit, you know, we think it's this kind of, of skeletal dysplasia, and we're not really sure, but, you know, what have And you. how many months along was Nikki? So she was 22 weeks, okay. I think, at the time. 22 weeks. Um, you know, so, I mean, you, you saw him, you saw his hands, you saw all, all the stuff that mm-hmm. you say. So, you know, after we kind of, you know, dry our eyes and all this stuff, we walk into the office and the doctor's sitting there and he goes, we think... It's fineriformic, right? Um, but we're not sure because it could be June's, it could be short rib polydactyl, and there's a whole bunch of different variations. And you're thinking these are just words to me. These are words. To I us. have no idea what this means. Until he said, uh, "Short rib polydactyl has a one in four chance of every future pregnancy." All right. So, so Nikki growing up and me growing up, I was surrounded by cousins. We had a lot, big family, right? And we were always together. And, Catholic? and I've got yeah, 31 first cousins, right? So we've got <laughs> a small amount of cousins, right? Wow. Um, and Nikki's, you know, had a, has a bunch of cousins as well. She always babysat. How many and turkeys at Thanksgiving? two and a ham two and a wow two and a ham two and a um, ham, two a and ham. It, a, it sounds like a band um, it does so or a comedy routine uh-huh. so, um, so so we're so you know we had always wanted a lot of kids so now we're like okay well, well crap I'm like we're done that's it finished we're, we're out of here and, uh, and Nikki's like oh we'll, we'll see so We go into the doctor and the reason that he had taken 30 minutes was he was at Cooper, which was down in Camden, New Jersey, one of the best hospitals and one of the best hospitals in the area. And it's a 45 minute drive. And he got there in 30 minutes and he sat down and he talked to us and he said, you know, here's what it is. And he, he literally opened up a textbook and he said, read this. I think it presents all of these different things, right? Now,
1: was he a preemie doctor? Was this his, his specialty? He, or he was, got, he was or a he doctor. Got he, he got called. Got yeah,
0: okay. but but the ultrasound tech, when she left the room, called him and said, I need you to come up here and deliver this news to this family. Okay. So when we sat down and we talked to him, and, and we're still kind of like, all right, I, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? And the eternal optimist in me is like, I think we'll be okay. Um, and he goes, well, I set you up. You need a second opinion. And we're like, okay, well, great. When? He goes, in 45 minutes down in Camden, you need to leave now. That was yeah. when we kind of said, oh, oh this <laughs> is this, <laughs> right? this is a bad thing. So I called my folks, um, you know, and luckily, you know, my mom worked at the school and my dad's like, all right, well, you know, she'll be down in a little bit. And I said, well, you need to come up here now. And he goes, no problem, I'll go get her. And they, they dropped what they were doing and they were up. So Brayden stayed with them. We went down to Cooper, um, had a phenomenal doctor down in Cooper. Um, and he looked and he had confirmed what the doctor had told us originally, that it was a form of skeletal dysplasia. And they still weren't sure what it is. And he was concerned about Nikki. He I mean, was concerned Nikki, about Nikki. Nikki could... Could die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was uh, high blood pressure. Um, go ahead, walk us a, through it. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a whole bunch of issues, right? High blood pressure. There's heart issues. There's breathing problems, right? There's all of these different things. My um, had a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. and then everybody's gone. Exactly. So after we went to that second opinion, we said, okay, well, we need to do things. So more back to the WebMD doctor that I was. I said, well, I got to find out all I can about what they had just told us our child was. Now, you know, Google's a great thing, but Google Image is horrible, right? It's a it's a horrible thing to look at. And, and this and that's, was, what uh, uh, this is um, 2000. 2006. Yeah. Yeah. 2006. So Facebook um, was just starting. Yeah. And yeah. and you know I was so I'm looking at images of what they just told me that my son was gonna have. Um, and I started reaching out to all kinds of doctors. So we talked to the University of Pennsylvania. Um, we talked to Cedar Sinai. We talked to UCLA. We talked John to Hopkins. doctors. Apps everywhere DuPont, you name it. I reached out to them. I was sending medical images. I was sending the records. I was sending the CVS tests. I was sending videos. I was sending them. Everyone that was being would the beautiful dad. Right. What can we do? Where can we work? And the doctor that was the most world renowned for helping families and helping children that had what Luca had said, so there's nothing we can do until he's six months old. And he said, in the case that you have, there is nothing that we can do. And the doctor that we had at Cooper had put us in touch with the International Skeletal Displacement Registry, and we started working with them. And what we had done is we had determined, okay, you know, we had gone to the University of Pennsylvania, and they said, well, Luca also has an issue with his heart. Um, you know, he can have a heart attack in utero. Inside the womb. Inside okay. the womb. A heart attack inside the womb. Correct. Yeah. And there's a lot of issues that now happen. So we had determined we were going to deliver early. Um, you know he had So you found out all this information at 22 weeks, and at 23 weeks, we had to make a decision, okay. which is one of the hardest decisions I can't you could, imagine you could ever imagine. Um, you know, so so we had made that decision, and the doctor said, "Well, you know, we can do a shot, and we can do all this different stuff, and it'll, you know, he'll he'll, you know, we'll have him terminate inside." And we said, "Absolutely not. We want to see him. I want to see him breathe." So, so the, the, ter- the termination factors. You had
1: two choices. You and Nikki at this time we were 23 weeks. 23 weeks. Um, 23 and some he days. He offered termination in womb. Correct.
0: Early induction. Which is, what's it called? Uh, So it would either be early induction. Early induction. There's an abortion that you can have. Sure. Or carry to term. Or carry to
1: term. Uh, those are the three choices. Those are the three and choices. You and Nikki, how long did it take you to make that decision?
0: Three seconds? And... <laughs> no, no, no. Trust me. Uh, no, it was a long decision. Um, you know, I mean, and we couple you know, from, days. I mean, we were probably about a week. I mean, we were we were mm-hmm. right on where we could do an early induction. Um, you know, legally within the state, which which is another you know shame. Uh-huh. Um, so we had gone through. and We made a determination to to say we were going to do an early induction. Okay. We, we you know there are too many risks associated with him. No, uh, there are too many risks associated with Nikki, um, and we just didn't want to take that. Okay,
1: and then at 24 weeks, Nikki starts having high blood pressure, something happens at home, she
0: nudges you and says, look, we need to go. Yeah. So, so, you know, the risks were prevalent, right? I mean, you know, we had gone in, um, you know, we had, um, echocardiograms and all this different, all these different things. So we had made the determination, we scheduled when we were going to be going in. Um, you know, it, it, worked for us for, for our decision and what we needed to do with our family right then. So, Um, so when we had decided we, we had gone into the hospital, um, you know, there was a process that they had gone through. The hospital staff was phenomenal. Um, you know, they had stickers on the door. Um, you know, they had phenomenal nurses that were really working with us, um, probably with the exception of one that Mm -hmm. just thought, you know, young girl coming in, um, until another nurse talked to her and told her the situation. Um, and then, you know, everything had changed. And, uh, so, you know, I think, you know, it's amazing, you know, for us when, when we were going through this, um, you know, we were, we were preparedly unprepared for sure. what had happened. Um, you know, we, we knew what to expect, right? We knew what the doctors were going to do. We wow. knew that we were going to see these sorts of things. But what we didn't expect was just the the silence, right? And sure. and not the silences in lack what you, of what noise. Say? I mean, what yeah. do you say? But, but the thing was, not even lack of noise, right? It was just everything stopped. Yeah. So for us, and, and Luca was alive, and we were lucky, right? He was alive for 90 minutes. We saw his heartbeat. We, we held him. He was surrounded by family. 90 minutes. But in those 90 minutes... The world wasn't there. We we were not part of it. We didn't understand what was going on. We didn't care. And what happened was afterwards we realized that the world kept going. Sure. But we, we were they didn't care about us when we didn't care about it. Was Luca named before Bert? We, know, right I, fr- when- I forget how we even did it. Um, you know, it's not even like I was a Godfather fan. You know, <laughs> it would've, that would have made sense. Is Luca a
1: family name? It isn't. It
0: isn't. It you isn't? know, I, it just we stuck with that four letter name, and that, yeah. that worked. Um, we we said it, and, and that's what it was. Um, you know, but but I think at that moment, right? So after those ninety minutes, when you come out of it, and you have that realization. And I remember Nikki and I are sitting in the room, and. You know, it was you know Grey's Anatomy was on, and I remember chasing cars. And in both of our minds, for yeah. whatever reason, that song just like plays a role, right? And that's okay. that's kind of the song every time. You know, we're either down or, or thinking of something, and that song comes on. It's Does like this song there's Luke. Um, I think it's Chasing Cars. I don't know what it is. It just it just Grey's no, 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 Anatomy. Adam- no, 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 Chasing, cars. Oh, it was chasing on, cars. It was on. It was on, right, Ch- it was on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, sorry. Yep. Yeah. So yep. every time we hear that song, yep. is when we think of Luke, and it's crazy because we'll be in the car, and, and who sings and, that song? Well, who, God, I don't know. Who sings the song, you're the DJ. Frey. The Frey from Colorado. The Frey, that's it. You From got Colorado. It. Fantastic. Yeah. So every time we hear that song, we think of him. But, you know, we, so I remember we're sitting in the hospital room and it was like third party experience, right? And, and we're holding him. And I remember the dimples in his nose and, and, you know, how his fingers looked and the hair on his head. And, and just you know, a tiny. And and tiny. Really, really, really tiny. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, he was, you know, probably, you know, a foot and a half long, maybe. Okay. And, uh. And that song came on, and it was in that moment that my wife and I just kind of looked at each other, and we were like, oh, my God, what just happened, right? And, we're, and you're, in, you're in a dark place, right? Because now you're sitting there, and you're going, you know what? That guy's still playing baseball, and this guy still, you know, is complaining about taking his kids to ice skating or whatever it might be, and they have no idea what I'm going through. And you can feel so lonely at that point. And, you know, it was kind of right there that we... And sat. even a hug doesn't do much. And even a hug, right? Because it's someone else that hasn't been there. They haven't yeah. experienced it. And and I think it was right there that we said, well, you know, what, what, can, what can we do, right? And Luca for us was the light, right? Luca for us said, you know what, you're going to have a purpose. And even though you were here for 90 minutes with us, you are going to be something. And someone's going to know your name and you're going to help other people. And you're the light for us right now. And you're going to be the light for other people. And, you know, I, I say it, right? Our volunteers and our donors are the people that fuel that light for us. But that light shines from him. And it's not our mission. We're the conduit, right? We're the ones that are just saying, hey, here's, here's you know, here's yeah. what we do. Um, but really, it's it's his mission, you know, that we're kind of fulfilling for him.
1: In that 90 minutes, uh,
0: just total. Yeah, yeah it was the most surreal experience. I mean, like I said, I mean, when you, when you want to have, I mean, when you have an experience that just goes, I don't care about anything and, and literally not care about anything. Right. Um, you know, we, we were there, my parents were there Nikki's parents were there. My brother was there, her brother and sister were there and we were just all he surrounded was breathing on his own and he was breathing it. And and we were and watching his wanted. heartbeat. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it was different from what the doctors had said we were going to see. Um, you know, we knew what we were going to see. They said, you know, okay, maybe a minute, maybe two minutes and 90 minutes. He was still sitting there and we were able to hold him and everyone was able to hold him. Um, you know, and he was surrounded by love. And I think that, you know, he had a lifetime of love. Right. And, and the lifetime isn't our lifetime. Right. It's his lifetime. So we were able to give a lifetime of love to him in those 90 minutes. And that and changed ours. When you made the phone call mm-hmm. to get help yeah. to for the burial. Yeah. Can you walk us through that a little bit? We, we, you know, I mean, we have, we have I mean, you, you talk about divine intervention, right? And um, and whether the universe is just working in your favor and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, you know, the church that we had gone to and we, we have, you know, I was an altar server as a kid and we had a really good family friend as a priest, um, you know, but we had a church that we had gone to in Princeton and we, and we live in New Jersey. And we had called them up, and we and before any of this happened, before we delivered and all those different things, right? When he first got the diagnosis, and we had reached knew. well, we had reached out to our priest, okay. and we and we said, you know, hey, Monsignor Nolan, we want to talk to you, right? And just you know, we want to sit down and we need to tell you what's going on. And we sat down with him, and, and he looked, and he kind of he had a weird look in his eye, <laughs> and um, and he's like, well, you know, he goes, uh, you know, and, and gave us good guidance, and, and he goes, well, when I lost my son, and we we're like, well, that's interesting, okay? And he's like, and my wife. And we're like, well, wait, hold on a second. He had lost his his son in childbirth and then lost his wife a few weeks later. Mm. Talk about a guy that has had experience, right? Sure. I mean, and that was that was just crazy. He's right there with you. Exactly. I mean, and right there with us. Um, and he said, you know what? I'm going to give you the plot. We'll put it right out back. And this is a, f- I mean, this is a great cemetery. It's right in the middle of Princeton. It's, you know, there's- Princeton uh, University. Princeton University. Uh, Princeton, Princeton, New Jersey, Princeton, right Jersey. down the street. Yep. Right down the street, sure. Yep. Um, but I mean, headstones from the 1700s. I mean, an old, yeah. old spot, right? With limited space. And he said, we're going to give it to you. Um, and we said, well, who should we talk to from a funeral standpoint and all these different things? And, and he said, we'll talk to these guys. And when we told him our story, they said, we're going to cover everything for you. Now, at 24 years old, which I was, you know, you're not used That's... to calling funeral homes and saying, well, how much is a burial, right? Or how much is a headstone that you're going to charge me? Um, so there were kind of, you know, all these things started adding up and we said, well, you know, there's a lot of families that are going to be going through the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and are going to be young families that just can't afford it that say, Hey, I'm pregnant. This is great. I'm going to have a healthy child, but wind up not having that healthy child. And what do they do in that case? Did the John Luca
1: foundation hit you in church Did it hit you at the burial? Did did? When did, when did, when did, uh, Luca John talk to you and say, Dad and help yeah. these people?
0: You know, I think uh, for me it was pretty immediate. Um, I mean, I think I had us incorporated within three days, you know, three afterwards. And, wow. and, and you know, if you talk to my wife um, or anyone that knows me or, or Janet, right, I don't sit idle sometimes. Um, okay. You know? Um, so I like to move. So I was doing, yeah, so I was doing a little bit of consulting for companies that were starting businesses and getting them some small funding, some small, small stuff. Um, and when we took a look, I said, well, you know what, there's a shift, right? I want to change it. Um, so immediately we kind of looked and I said, well, what are those two big things? So again, it was working with families that lost an infant child, regardless of cost, as long as they were 12 months or younger. And then also we wanted to do something for the skeletal dysplasia side, because we were hit with. Costs we didn't know what they were going to be. Yeah. And then we were hit with a, a thing that we didn't know anything about. I mean, Luca was the 31st known case in the United States. 31st. 31st in the United States for what he had. In 2006. And the doctor says, you got a 25% chance, but we can't do an test. Right. And we won't know until you're 24 weeks pregnant. And we can't help you till you're six months. Exactly. Which is ah. kind of like, uh, it's not yeah, that doesn't help me. It sure. doesn't help me at all. There
1: is a blessing in disguise in this. Um,
0: a couple years later, mm-hmm. you and Nikki
1: got pregnant again. We did, yeah. And
0: and again, my wife, the eternal optimist, um, when she's like, "Hey, I want to, I want to have another, you know, baby," and I said, "Well, you're crazy. No, we're not having another baby." <laughs> um, and she said, "No, no, no." And then you know, we had we had Noah um, with the the nuchal issue, right? right where one of the issues there was a chance was, was short polydactyl. Um, so we had him. Came out perfectly healthy. He's awesome. He's he's phenomenal. We're blessed with great kids. Um, She said, "Well, you know what? I really want a girl." And I said, "Well, I really don't want anything else. I think (laughs) we're done here. Um, You know, twenty five percent chance. I think we're I think we're all set." Mm -hmm. Um, And we wind up getting pregnant again, and we wind up having a girl. Thank God. Um, You know, and then that was it. I said, "Well, we're finishing either you or me. We're done." How old are the kids now? Uh, So, Brayden just turned ten. Noah will turn eight, and Lila um, is going to be or just turned five. And Luca would have been ten. Luca would have been nine. Nine. Um, So, I've got a niece that's actually was born a month earlier than, uh, than Luca was. Okay. So it's, it's cool, you know, seeing him kind of in where she's at and we can always kind of say, okay, well, where, where would Luca be at this time? Um, the nice thing is the foundation for us kind of becomes a little bit of him, right? So, you know, while you raise a child, right. And, and this is kind of where we're at in our evolution as an organization, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of raising out of that kind of infancy kids side and kind of coming into the teenager realm, which changes kind of how we operate, um, changes a little bit in, in the direction and changes a little bit in how you, you work with people, um, um, you know, so kind of by proxy, we, we kind of can assimilate the foundation with a little bit of Luca.
1: How often do you go and
0: take the family to Princeton? And... You know, it's great. The kids go to school 400, or, yeah, not even 100 yards from where he's buried. Um, so they go to the school there. Um, so, you know, it's funny. Um, Noah or, or Braden, I forget which one was a couple of weeks ago. They were out at recess and he went to one of the teachers and he's like, Hey, can I go see my brother? And she's like, Yeah, Noah's on the playground. Go go see him and he's like, No, 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 no. I want to go see Luca and they know, right? I mean of we're course. we're active in a school and she's like, Yeah, you know what? Why don't we bring the class? And they had the class go over, and they all sat down, and he kind of shared the story, um. I, and even Noah and Lila. You know, I mean, they they sit there, and Luke is a Luke is a part of us, right? Sure. Um, and I think and I, always will be. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of times what happens, in, and you know, if you if you ever have an experience like this, or if you ever if you ever have a fam, uh, family member or friend, sure. That experience is a loss. I think the worst thing that you can do is not acknowledge, right? Um, so Luca is part of our family, and and Lila, who just turned five, right? And this is you know ten years ago thinks of him as much as if you know he sat there for 18 years next to her right yeah. at the dinner table um he's active we talk about him um, he has his own web page he does <laughs> exactly exactly there's pictures of him I mean, um you know but but he's active and, and and you know and he knows you know they know him then i think that's really really important from the grief process to make sure that you're acknowledging
1: well i can't thank you enough Absolutely. for sharing your story yeah. with the audience and and me and and, and the world how can people find out about you? How can people yeah. help if they want to help yeah. after they've heard this, uh, this, uh, this story, how can they find you?
0: So Lucajohnfoundation.org is the website. Um, great spot. We've got a lot of good content on there. There's some um, case studies from families that we've worked with on there. Um, anything from a support standpoint, you know, one of the big goals that we've got again, you know, is, is working to get full-time staff, right? And that takes money, right? So donations and what we work with um, families that we, that we work with. And you had asked it earlier in the program, you know, anywhere between $700 and $1,500 is what we give to families. Um, that's the average cost, right? So we want to work with as many families as we can. Um, you know, the average grant that you wind up seeing is between, you know, two hundred dollars and $300,000, right? Wow. So corporate sponsorships, individual donors. Um, we're non government supported right now. So we do rely on the support of, you know, of our people to really come in. So all that stuff, you know, can channel through the website. It's fantastic. Um, you know, it's lucajohnfoundation.org. And if
1: they want to talk to you directly, are you on Facebook? Can they contact
0: you? Yep, absolutely. They- so phone number 856. 856- Eight one seven six two zero six is the number to call. Um, you know, and our secretary can you know direct you where you need to be. If it's from a volunteer standpoint, we can put you in touch with our volunteer manager. Any PR marketing can go into our marketing department. Um, if they want to talk to me, give me a ring. I'm available. This has been such a
1: uh, an in depth story, and I thank you so much for sure. opening your heart and your family's story to us. Are you ready for Rob's fast five questions? Sure. Here, Here we go. go. <laughs> um, are you? Is this is the is the John, is the Luca John Foundation? Is that something you're going to do until? until you until you it is. leave the earth. Is it this is. something that's yeah, going to not stop. You're not going to pass the torch. It's,
0: you know, I mean, uh, our, our, our kids, you know, I mean, we were looking at a golf outing down in Disney World, right mm-hmm. at the Polynesian, okay. fantastic spot. Uh, my older guy said, hey, dad, I want to do something. Um, so we're looking at him putting on his own mini golf tournament for kids that go down there. Oh, um, so, you know, they're active, you know, I mean, my daughter wants to do stuff for it, you know, and she's five. I mean, so, so I, this is, this is definitely something. And I think, you know, what we look for, for, for people that work with us, um, both from a partner standpoint, and from a volunteer standpoint is a family right you do you do come in this is an intimate thing for us yeah. um, you know his name is on it right so um, so this is something that we will definitely be eternally involved in um, you know we're looking for a really good executive director that can kind of come in and, and take it but a lot of that again comes from being able to pay people
1: and you mentioned you're a uh, Philly. Philly guy uh, so the I Philly am, Philly, Philly fanatic and the, and the, and the Phillies the, the baseball team are, are you a Jersey guy too are you
0: New York Jets New York Jets no. what, what do you no. do so, I mean,
1: you got nine teams to choose from what do you, so what do you a, go with so, so
0: remember I grew up south of the DMZ oh that's right the DMZ. so it's all yeah, Philly so yeah. so you know we've got what two professional sports teams right now I think right so we've got the Phillies and even that's borderline yeah. uh, we've got the Eagles which you know <laughs> thankfully <laughs> we got oh, Chip, Chip Mahoy yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and then we've got the 76ers which I think my high school basketball team could beat yeah I think they're the worst First team in baseball basketball right now, they've won twice, yeah. So, yeah, well, uh, yeah, and then the Flyers, and the Flyers, sure, yeah. So, you've got the Phillies. Yeah, so which isn't go. a good thing. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's all in got, Philadelphia. Right? Yeah, the what, soul, the soul's doing good. Yeah,
1: that's about it. What's next for you? What's next for? What's next for uh, Kevin Barnowski? What is next? What's next in line for you? What What do you want to do more? I mean, you've already done yeah. so much. You've already said you want to cross
0: borders. Yeah, yeah. How long is that going to take? So you know, the, we need to stabilize what we have in North America first, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got new directors that we're bringing on board in new states. Um, we want to really take our our national strategy with our local implementation and really solidify where we're at. Um, we've been approached by the United Kingdom to be able to come in by canada to come in um easy you know hop skip and a jump um you know but what i would foresee is kind of take you know north america um and then kind of start migrating into europe now you said prince william has reached out. yeah prince william we've had the prince of, or the uh, prime minister of australia had reached out to us and um, the past pope yeah, yeah yep, past pope wonderful. yeah i reached out and in acknowledging incredible. thanking we've been in american baby magazine a bunch it's one of their four resources that they had in the back of the magazine so we've had a really good uh, you know we had we've been able to get the message out there for a lot of people that need us How often do you and Nikki talk to Luca? And thank uh, you know, it's and an everyday. tell him that we're doing okay. You know, it's an everyday thing. I mean, you know, I, I travel on a plane two, three times a week. And every time, you know, we're about to take off, I would say, Luca, take me where I need to be, wherever that might <laughs> be, right? Hopefully it's where I'm going, my destination. But, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, uh, take me where I need to be. Um, you know, again, he's active. Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's not one of those things that we kind of sit there and we go, oh, you know what, geez, we haven't been there in a while. Um, he is an active part of us. And I think the biggest thing is the, that the foundation has allowed us to do is grieve. It's allowed us to talk to other families that have been through the same thing with us. What's your favorite dessert? Oh god. Uh, oh man. Come throw on. The, you're hardest, from Philly. the hardest question Come on. Che- you only steak? have two desserts. Cheesesteak. Cheesesteak, yeah. Cheesesteak. <laughs> with cheesesteak.
1: <laughs> one more cheesesteak. <laughs> cheese now are you are you a cheesesteak guy with a with the fake sauce I mean with the with the cheese whiz or the uh, so
0: a, so you don't go well, to Pass so and you don't go to Geno's. Ah, uh, John's John's well, is the one. Okay. Or if you really want to do it, you do the pork sandwich. Not the cheesesteak. stick. <laughs> you do the pork. Seriously, pork roller, pork roller scrapple.
1: I can't thank you enough for
0: uh, well, thank help, you. Uh, for coming here and
1: bringing your friends and family and and bringing your story yeah. to the press club and to the show. The topic of conversation. Uh, Kevin Barnowski, uh, thank you so much, and, and best of luck in the Luca John Foundation. Thank you very much. And we'll be watching your story uh, throughout years to come. Okay, great. We appreciate thank it. You so thank much. you. Of course, I couldn't do the show without my incredible crew and staff. They are outstanding. They keep the show going. They keep me up and going. They keep themselves up and going, and we just do it weekend and week out every Wednesday night here at the Press Club. I want to thank Will, my director, producer, and great chief editor. He just does an outstanding job. I hope you like what you listen to. My IT director, he does a lot of editing as well with Will. Matt, and of course, Chantel, who does a lot of our uh, marketing work for us, Mancho from Cameroon, who does all our AV stuff for YouTube, and of course, our wonderful executive producer, Mariah Weiss, who keeps us all tame and and together as a unit. And uh, we cannot do this without the Denver Press Club either. The Denver Press Club hosts us every week. I'm a proud member and uh, very happy that we are here every Wednesday. And I want to thank the staff Carmen, the general manager, Bruce Goldberg, the president of the club, and of course, the staff here, Mark and Will. Uh, the best bartenders and cooks around so if you are in the Denver metro area come by and see us on Wednesdays we'd love to see you listen talk love and wake up with a purpose every day to do something good and you just might be right down here with us in downtown Denver at the Denver Press Club as our topic of conversation thank you and good night